My name is Jack Henrady and welcome to the Canadian Rock. Welcome back to the Canadian Rock. This is Jamie Gray, and uh, this week, Canadian Rock likes to welcome Jack Hanratty. Jack's the head coach of Rugby Canada's U20s women team. He's also working with the women's national team a little bit as well. He's the head coach of Nova Scotia's senior men's and senior women's teams. He is the Rugby Canada Academy coach for the Atlantic provinces, and he formerly worked for Leinster Rugby over in Ireland. So we're excited to have Jack. He's going to have a great conversation about coaching and uh, it's really interesting to listen to so hopefully you stay tuned just a little plug for us as always love to have love to have feedback love hearing from listeners uh it's amazing and contact us any way you want we're on the twitter at canadian rock we're instagram the underscore canadian underscore rock facebook at the canadian rock and of course our gmail the canadian rock at gmail.com biggest thing though is when you're watching and listening to us make sure you're following and subscribe and beyond that share as much as you can get these stories out of our of our national players of our national coaches because it's great for people to understand where they came from so that they can see that there's a way for them to get the get there as well uh, and jack will talk about little things like that throughout his pod but we're on the youtube the spotify itunes google Podcasts, Castbox as well and if you forget where to go head right to our website the canadian everything's hosted there and linked out it's all you know, as pretty as I can make it, uh, which isn't very pretty, but it's definitely serviceable. All right, in rugby news, uh, I got a couple of things here before we get to Jack. Heading north, South Africa, um, just off the, uh, over the last couple of days, and by the time you're hearing this, it might be a couple of days older than that, but I'm still a little, not shocked, I guess I'm disappointed. South Africa's pulling out of Super Rugby, and they're joining the Pro 14 in Europe. You know, as of now, the Springboks will still play the rugby championships, which is, you know, against New Zealand, Austria, and Argentina, as you all know. Um, but their super rugby teams will be heading north. This is probably going to take a effect next year, depending on COVID restrictions and how far along, I guess, uh, and how safely things can happen. But basically, South Africa called it a move for a Northern Hemisphere future. They said it was forced by New Zealand's unilateral decision to organize its own domestic competition or possibly a trans-Tasman competition, which would involve Australia and other teams for next year. So they really felt slighted that New Zealand kind of did this on their own for next year. I think they understood, you know, New Zealand Eritura and, you know, Australian rugby, uh, super rugby this year. But next year they were very disappointed in how it played out. Uh, it appeared to be because there's uncertainty that New Zealand did this. Uh, over a traditional Super Rugby tournament, if we'll be able to go ahead through the uh, due to the corona, uh, coronavirus, but still, South Africa rugby said it considered it a slight not to even be consulted. So New Zealand was uh, was ticking off their counterparts down there. Uh, another one that's uh, on the negative side: Rugby Canada is cutting staff. Uh, they're still having financial implications with dealing with COVID, like a lot of places are. They've let go people from their staff. Uh, from their chief commercial marketing officer, Mark Lemon, to Hall of Famer, friend of the pod, Al Sharon. And as you all probably know, his name graces the National Training Center. CEO of Rugby Canada, Alan Vincent, says 15 of the organization's 46 staff have been affected. Five people have been terminated, three have been laid off, and seven are facing reduced hours. Vincent also said, this is, a, this is a quote from him, we're anticipating a pretty significant impact to our commercial revenues, 
until we can start hosting events and have player registration, et cetera, pick up from a domestic level. Our hope is certainly by next spring, next summer, we'd be in a position to see a resumption of those activities. How do we emerge out of this as, a better, as better than normal? How do we capitalize on some of the opportunities that are always existed for our sport, but we never really fulfilled the opportunities that were there? And he also went on to say this about Sharon. Our hope is we'll able to bring Al back to work with us on our alumni relations, our fundraising, and some other new opportunities that we're pretty excited about. With a bigger focus on the community end of the game, where we think Al has a real strong impact for us. And that's true. Al's a, he's a great speaker. He's a great person. He's a great athlete, great rugby player. And I think having him in that role, it would be, would be dynamite for Rugby Canada. So to me, that's good news. As for the hiring of Rob Crowley, as you probably all know, that's about a week, a little over a week old, who's going to work with Rugby Canada, who's going to work with the Toronto Arrows. The funding for him, it, it, it looks like bad timing because here they are making cuts, yet they've hired a new international coach. But the funding for him is actually coming from World Rugby, the Toronto Arrows, and it's also coming from donors. All right, gray area, uh, a little different. I mean, I guess it, it kind of ties in with the Rugby Canada thing. And when, uh, when Vanson said there, how do we capitalize on some of the opportunities that have always existed for our sport, but we never really fulfilled the opportunities that were there? I guess that's where it's kind of where I'm kind of going with it. So we've all felt the impact that COVID has had on our communities and that it had on our families, that it had on the economy, you know, it's had on the sport we love. And Rugby Canada is feeling as much as anybody else. My question though is Rugby Canada making use of the time that COVID has provided everybody. If you want to find a silver lining, look at that. Look at the time that it's it's kind of given people. Are they tinkering with their structure, right? Is Rugby Canada looking at ways to bring the East Coast, the West Coast, the Middle all together to create a better game for Canada, within Canada? Are they looking at ways to better the coaches within the country? Are we looking at ways to improve our coaching? You know, we know this is happening with player development, with Adam Kleberger's role, uh, leading the talent ID programs, and that's amazing. But are we looking at different ways to train and produce quality in-country coaches? There's a lot of great rugby minds here. What can Rugby Canada do to help us as coaches? Hopefully the Brain Trust at Rugby Canada is doing things to improve their coaching, improve, improve our country's grassroots coaches, to our high school coaches, to our provincial coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully they're listening to our next guest, Jack Hanratty, who has some great thoughts on coaching. And stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss it. So Canadian Rucks, very fortunate. We're welcoming Jack Hanratty to, uh, to our podcast today. And uh, Jack, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's get right into this here. So good Irish bloke. I've met you a couple of times. Uh, always fun to chat rugby with you. You're living in Nova Scotia now. How did that happen? How did you come across this side of the Atlantic? It's always that question, isn't it? How did you end up there? Um, yeah, I, I was working for Leinster Rugby um, and uh, I was about three or four years in and uh, a colleague of mine who had, who had visited Nova Scotia before got a call and said, would he go back? And he was at a different stage in life where he had wife and child and he said, I think there's a, a young up-and-coming coach who might... Um, who enjoyed the experience, Canadian experience a bit more. Uh, so when he couldn't find anyone good, he asked me if I was interested. Uh, and I, I came over for just 10 days and uh, coaching a little bit of club rugby and then ran a bit of a coaching course. Um, and then 
came back for the summer to coach some club rugby and then uh, seven months later the job of, of provincial coach with Rugby Nova Scotia became available uh, and then I was kind of asked if I was interested in applying and it was just one of those things where I felt a, uh, a little bit like I was going up a funnel with, with Leinster um, it, rugby was becoming incredibly fashionable in Ireland. Uh, the branding of Leinster rugby was becoming incredibly fashionable as well, and and there was a lot of there was a lot of people that were aspiring to to keep going up the ranks. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna try a different route, and uh, that's that's what I did, and and I've been I've been here ever since. Well, it's been great for rugby Nova Scotia, but it's also great for rugby Canada because you're also coaching the Canada's U20 program. Talk to us about that, how, how you got involved with Rugby Canada you know, relatively quickly here since you've come over to, uh, come over to Canada. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was probably, probably a bit too quickly. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, people who are in the system were like, God, we, this guy's getting all the chances. Um, I think one of the things that we were very fortunate about in Canada is um, you, you do get an opportunity. Um, sometimes in, in other countries, it looks like uh, when you arrive or when you're when you're in the the system, and um, they sometimes are a little bit not as as lenient as, as allowing new newcomers to come in and even to look. Uh, so what we were look, what I was very fortunate to do was I was the new um, provincial coach of Nova Scotia, and, and they, uh, I was asked to go out to a, a Canada U17 camp pretty early on and. It was almost like here you're going to get to run a session and we'll we'll see how we were going um, and how I was and and I was fortunate enough to to work with some some great people uh, and some really really great coaches and and I, I truly learned a lot and and uh, just kind of stayed in the system went uh, over to from the U17 program I was there for a couple of years then went into the U18 men's program. Uh, for a little while and I was dipping my toe in a little bit with, with different uh, professional development opportunities with, with the women's team and then uh, and then I, I was offered the opportunity to be the head coach of the under 20 women's team which was I, I would say Jamie is probably the biggest honour that I've had in rugby um, to, to lead a, my adopted nation um, is is something that I really don't take lightly. It, it wasn't a, a position that I was. I'm just trying to aspire to go elsewhere or, or do other things. Or sometimes people do look at because I'm a I'm I'm a foreign accent in in Canadian rugby. But for me, it was just um, I've had such an incredible opportunity to be a permanent resident and and hopefully one day a citizen of Canada, and uh, to to then get to be able to lead. Um, uh, the U20 program, which is such a vital part of the the, the pathway for for women's rugby, um, is is an incredible honour. And, and honestly, it's been some of the some of the best experience in rugby have been through that program. Yes, that's great. You've you've had some great women come through there um, that you've helped you know usher along to the next level. So it's it's nice to see that uh, that continue on. You know, we've always had a strong women's program, and it's nice to see you're at the helm of the U20 to make sure that our senior senior women's are uh, are staying viable and, and really yeah, strong I, and active. I will. I'll kind of add that um, I'm hol- I'm I'm holding the door open, and they're there. The the Canadian uh, women's athletes are some of the best in the world, no matter what. So whoever was holding my position 
is always going to be someone that uh, gets to, to, to work with some of the best athletes in the world. Um, and, and it's up to us and, and the coaching staff that we have scattered across the country to just make sure that we're, we're trying to make that better every day. And I think that's, uh, that's something that we've, we've, we've certainly got a, a Sandro's leading us at the moment in terms of the national program. And I'm lucky enough to, to, to work with the senior women's as well. And it allows quite a bit of continuity there and to, for players to, to come up. And it, it has been one of the best parts about it is, You've seen players that have come into a U20 environment, some of them big and, and excitable and, and some of them very shy. And suddenly you get to see them turn into to, to international test cap players, which is, have been a, a, a great part of the role. That's really cool to, to see that, uh, that dream, I guess, come to fruition for those ladies. And uh, knowing that you've helped them get there, and you're very humble in your approach here, but it's, uh, you've had a big part in their, in their role, I imagine. So, you know, kudos to you and kudos to the program. Nova Scotia rugby, it's amazed me over the last few years how much it's really exploded. Um, much to you and your framework and the people that you've been working with. Talk to us to some of those things, like maybe different things that you tried to implement or things you've worked on to improve. Um, I mean, I look at last year when, you know, high school in Nova Scotia and schools in Nova Scotia said, we're canceling rugby. And you and a bunch of other people jumped on and said, wait a second, <laughs> what's going on here? So talk to us about what you've done in rugby at Nova Scotia to help them become, you know, a powerhouse here on the East coast for sure. And if not more. Yeah, I think firstly, um, I was the right place at the right time. Um, I don't, I don't think rugby was flourishing in Nova Scotia um, upon my arrival, but uh, there, there wasn't just me. And, and, and sometimes I, I get a pat on the back for, for some positive energy that that's, that's been a great outcome, but I, I'll, I'll be fully upfront and transparent to say that there was, a lot of good people got together, of which um, I'm, I was delighted to be a part of them. Um, but the leadership straight away comes from from Gino Carew, who's been our president now since I've been here. It's almost a, a race to see who leave, who leave first, or or because we don't we don't we're honestly we're a partnership. We're very different people. Um, I'm the the loud um, and some loud is probably the the. The nicest thing I'll say about myself, but um, but Gino is kind of more of a shy person. But like for a man who's is a volunteer president, uh, we we speak three or four times a day. Um, he cc'd still seven years later. He still cc'd on most of my emails. Um, but he, he has really been the driver. Um, and um, I think that was important. I think I, I made some errors upon arrival. Is um, when you arrive in from a different rugby nation, you can. And this happens regularly. I see it myself now from from the other scope. You, you can make some some um, you, you can you can make this pretty about about what other countries do well, and that's I think where 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 major mistakes come from. And um, we the first thing we did was as a group, a board, and provincial coaches, we 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 had a little bit of a um a SWOT analysis about things that we did well and and one of the things is that the programs were all named differently and they almost it was like a competition against each other for uh, equipment or funding and things like that and and I think that was the the best thing that we did was we we rebranded everything as the six program and um, which was only the men's programs uh, the women's were called Sisha at the time and uh, so we tried to rebrand which you know not everybody agreed with but for me I, I wanted it to be a, a some common language and I want to be some consistency throughout the program and 
And uh, also, we want to be able to learn from each other. It shouldn't be silos. If we're doing good stuff in Nova Scotia, someone's a particularly good scrummaging coach or, or kicking coach or scrum half coach, well, there's no point just the U16 men's, women's, U20s prospering just from that knowledge. We're a small province, so and, and as you know, Jamie, you wear many, many hats. So we want to be able to utilize who's good at what and, and hopefully develop all the way through. And, and you know, I, I've been really, really happy with, with things that have, have gone on over the last few years. I will say that, especially during COVID, you're, you're thinking about, have we done enough? Will we survive? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have to say that the coaches that are, are ready to take my job, as I summarize it, um, are, are all there. They're all from Nova Scotia. And um, I, I learn from them just as much as the other way around. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned COVID. So what's been going on there? Uh, you know, I've heard rumors, I guess, that uh, you guys are looking at some return to contact. Or is that, uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, well, first of all, it was a bit of a, um, for all those people involved in sport, um, there's this new thing that happened during COVID. It was called Saturday and Sunday, uh, <laughs> which is a time that people uh, do play golf, um, uh, go shopping, make a nice Family. dinner, relax. Uh, amazing things. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, researching that further. Um, I think at the start, everybody who's usually burnt out by by the middle of the season I think everybody enjoyed having a bit of time off but I think we're starting to see the energy start up again and um, because obviously we're, we're lucky in the Atlantic bubble where some things are, are allowed to happen and um, so we we started off with some beach rugby here in Nova Scotia um, you know following on from the success down in Moncton Brunswick uh, which always goes really well and um, but we've we we had one beach volleyball court and we decided to, to play 5v5 and you play against a singular bubble on a weekly basis, and, and it went really well. Um, so uh, the beach rugby has been a, a major success, and we wanted to see if people still had the interest to do contact now that, now that we can do contact. So we started a, a return to play uh, contact last week, um, and, uh, and we'll be continuing with, with four to five sessions before we'll be playing some modified rugby games and taking the leadership from World Rugby with Rugby X, where we play either 4v4 or we play um, 5, 5v5, which is what they play. But to keep in with our group of 10, which we're currently in, we'll play 4v4 with, with one sub being able to come in. Because I don't know if you have played fives, Jamie, but it's a... Uh, it, it doesn't sound it, very fun. If you think sevens is hard, fives is, 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 is just as hard, if not harder. So having that sub is a bit uh, crucial. But one of the things about those sessions is, and sometimes I think I've made mistakes where you go into training sessions thinking that you're trying to find the next uh, DTH Van Murray, you're trying to find the next Sophie the Goody. You're, you're not. You're, you're just, my job this week with Return to Contact is try and get people, you know, back into it and um, using the World Rugby Activate uh, programming, but also just getting people enjoying the game again. Um, and that's that's literally my role. I'm not there to pick out tiny little key factors. I'll try and give a bit of advice, but to be able to just give them an opportunity to do 2v2 with uh, some light contact is, is exactly, it's not ex- the be all and end all, but it's a, a really good opportunity for people to get back involved. That's really cool. So what does what does the light contact entail? Like not full on tackling, no rocking, no scrumming. So what is just like bumping in and hands like shoulders onto the waist and stuff like that? Yeah, like for me, the return to contact we're 
we're building it up each night um, and we'll be doing um, little grappling activities, wrestling activities, just getting used to it because for, you know, it's been the longest off season since I can remember. So, <laughs> so people just aren't used to that little bit of contact. So what, what World Rugby and, and, and Rugby Canada and, you know, the, the domino effect of Rugby Nova Scotia, we said that, well, if you're going to play in the fives tournament, which we have organized, you've got to have a minimum amount of training sessions under your belt where you've just done light uh, contact then progressing to actual full contact tackle right that sounds really awesome it sounds like you're doing some really cool things in there in Nova Scotia not just you but you and you and the whole host of uh, the union members the president you know Gino right on to everybody else so that's awesome and I can't wait to see some more on the social media there it's a, it's yeah. really cool to follow um, saying that where do you see Nova Scotia rugby like the Celtics and, and the brand and everything where do you see them in the next five or ten years um, it's a it's a great question and it's one that I think COVID has generated us to think about these sort of questions on a regular basis. Um, one thing I'm really proud of is the um, amount of high-level female coaches we have in the province. It's something that um, when we go to, in Atlantic Canada, because we don't have um, a massive population, we, for me as a professional sports coach, we do numerous amount of uh, professional development opportunities with other sports and this topic comes out a lot is how, how to uh, grow uh, coach development in in lots of different areas in, in which we still need a lot of work on with a lot of them but um, to be able to to say and, and wholeheartedly say that our, our female coaches are, are phenomenal and the amount of them is like we have 50 percent female coaches involved in their provincial programming uh, which we're which we're really proud about um, I think the senior women's Celtic team the only team that has a male in as a coach is the senior women's and that's me because a lot of our players still coach uh, or a lot of our coaches still play yeah. uh, so um, that's been a, a, a unique thing what I'd like to see is that being formalised um, our, our new development officer is probably not new anymore Emma Delory has come in a year and a half ago she's been able to She's a, a much more detailed, orientated person than, uh, than I am. Uh, she's been a, a fantastic asset to our organisation, um, and she looks at it with a, with a different, with, a, with, with different lenses on, which is really helpful for me. I haven't had a, I haven't had a rugby colleague uh, to work full time with in in my seven years up until a year year and a half ago, and that's been a, a real positive step. So you know, she noticed that we 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 have such great female coaches. We need to formalise this. We need to make sure that. If I'm gone tomorrow, if she's gone tomorrow, if Gino's gone tomorrow, that that we have the leadership there to, to continue that. But we also want to make sure that um, we've looked at, at at all aspects of it, making sure that we're, we're developing um, coaches from from all color, coaches from all backgrounds, coaches from from uh, different areas like the indigenous background. And, and I'd love to, to kind of formalize that as, as much as possible. And then, like be all and end all, we want our Celtic teams winning. Um, we want to, to continue to develop and hopefully we have a, a new uh, youth structure which is is not relying on, on the high school piece as you mentioned earlier that the high school rugby is quite fickle and we don't have control of it so hopefully being able to get uh, a new uh, sort of youth competition a little bit more formalized um, that would certainly be, be in the next five years what we'd like and, and our mantra always is getting uh, players from wearing Celtics blue to Canada red want to continue that hopefully get see some some girls on the plane for the the world cup and hopefully see 
maybe one guy on a plane going to an Olympic Games. That would be really that would be really great for rugby Nova Scotia. When you talk about, um, I guess the the development of players in the in the youth, are you guys in Nova Scotia looking more towards what minor hockey or you know minor basketball like trying to have rugby outside of the schools where rugby Nova Scotia is actually running the programs in each locality? Yeah, I think so, and and we don't want to take away from the the Nova Scotia School Athletic Federation because although it's been an up and down relationship and as, as a well-documented publicized uh, relationship over the last while, we, we still are, it's a partnership right now. One that we're, we're happy that that was more formally uh, created over the last uh, few months, only few months. It feels like so long ago, but yeah, we'd certainly like to be able to, to give our, our youth an opportunity to go and play. And I think one of the biggest opportunities, uh, which I always thought was, was a weakness is that we need to be able to tailor our rugby to our numbers so if one club only has five players great let's play 5v5 if one has seven let's play 7v7 or if one just has two or three let's send them to another club let's send them to another team and let's not be um blocked with club biases and and merge clubs well a huge success last year was the two enemies of nova scotia of halifax tars and hrfc combined to to do a uh, intro to contract programming so the under 14s wore blue and red combined jerseys and, and played against other clubs. And for me, that's, that's, that's exactly what we need to be doing. It's just thinking outside the box and, and, and looking at other sports, but not saying that this is the right way to do it. Looking at other sports going, right, what, what works best for us and what can we tailor? No, I think that's, you hit the nail right on the head there. That's rugby camaraderie at its finest, like working together to try and, to try and promote the game, to try and make the game, to try and make the game better. So for sure. All right, so Jack, we're at our quick fire section, and the the questions are a little oh, bit no. worded differently here. I I think you might know some of them, but um, we're gonna we're gonna try these here. So from your from a coaching role, what's the best team you ever faced? Best team I ever faced, I I think the uh, the Black Ferns, and um, probably um, I, I've twice now been on a sideline. Uh, twice now, I haven't come out the better. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, oh, this is supposed to be quick fire, is it? Um, oh, quickish. I, I, I think when the uh, when we watch the hacker, uh, you kind of you, the the hair goes in the back of your neck, and you go, <laughs> okay, ready to go. And then I think um, just the the level was was incredibly high. But the great thing about women's rugby in Canada, you didn't leave going. They're on another level. You left going we've got to aspire to be better. That's good. Who's the best player you've ever coached against? Against? I don't want to ask who for, because I don't want to, you know, you, you might tick some people off there, so. Uh, yeah, I think um, from a man's point of view, Derek Daypook uh, for Ontario was always just a game changer. You looked to go down and see if his um, if his name was on the, the team sheet because he was a game changer when I <laughs> when I was coaching the Atlantic Rock Senior Men's, uh, and from a, a women's point of view, uh, the U twenties who's now playing for England as a starting ten, Zoe Harrison, who's got a really bright future. I think she was she's just she found the corners 
like a classic old school uh, English 10 and um, it was nice to see that that's still alive but <laughs> just be, it was my first or my second game as U20 head coach and you just watch the ball going from corner to corner just because she could completely control it so they, they would be the two I think okay good names uh, the best match you've been a part of uh, I loved USA or one one game. Uh, I will say I have to go with a win, don't I? I think um, Super Series. Super Series. Oh. <laughs> Too many to choose from here or what? There's a few. Yeah, I think. Uh, can I give two? Can I give sure. a man's influence? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you take two. Uh, the, we had a, a, a incredible games. The Nova Scotia Celtics playing against the Newfoundland Rock Senior Men's. Uh, was always an incredible one, um, and the women's uh, and the the first time we we beat them in fourteen years was a, a pretty a pretty big one because they were always the standard bearers for so many years. So that was a, a big one to get the monkey off the back. Um, I would say the from a a women's point of view, uh, the first time Nova Scotia beat BC. I'm going provincial. It's going to stick provincial. Um, we went 28 phases in the last play and scored under the post and needed the conversion to go, and it just skipped over the bar. So it was uh, it was heart in the mouth stuff, but yeah, it was that, it was great. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's not often a team from the east coast beats a team from the beat from the uh, west coast. So that's a good exactly. one. All right, what's your favorite rugby tradition? I love a dressing room. The The dressing room before a game is probably one of the most incredible uh, parts of the game, especially when you're, when you go around and see the Maple Leaf just, just sitting there and, and the Canadian flag. Uh, it's just a, a really special moment. But I think uh, Jersey presentation probably wins out um, trying to get it right, trying to find the right tone and, and uh, who will lead it, how will we do it and what's the frame of mind to go into it. But when you've got somebody that, that is uh, taking the jersey that they're going to go into battle with, I think that's, uh, that's always, a, and I've seen them done so many times, but it's, it's a really special moment, I think. That's fair. This one might be hard. What's the best team you've ever coached? Maybe, not maybe most talented, but just that team that really soaked up everything, all the energy, and they just did everything together for each other. You look really oh. pensive right now. <laughs> yeah, because it's a great, it's a, it's a really great one, and and I always think I'm prepared for these things, and I ask myself the questions sometimes beforehand, and then, uh, <laughs> but it gets you when it's when it's been been brought out. Um, I think the, uh, I the the twenty Canadian women's team. There's been a. Uh, year one of the program, everyone was so outgoing, loud. There was tons of leaders. Uh, and year two, it was it was it was so quiet, and we didn't perform great in the first game. And there was just four days between our our game against USA and, and playing against an England team. And um, I just felt the four days was was brilliant we went on and um, we ended up having a yo-yo game against England probably one of the best games I've been involved in but 
Uh, and England went on to win the game. But the improvement that the team showed in those four days was incredible. There was no, like, massive personalities that took over things. Or, it was just a collective um, work for those four days. And it was tiring work. And it was a heat wave in England. And the, the staff worked tirelessly just as hard as the players. And, and I'd say that that U20 uh, four days just stands out in my mind as just kind of having a, a common goal. But I could name so many teams. Yeah, I think as a coach, you don't want to choose one, but I think you did a pretty good job recognizing it there. Um, what's your rugby nickname? Do you have one? No. Just <laughs> Are you lying? Jack. Just, <laughs> just, Jack. just Jack. Yeah, which also for a while was the name of a, a character in um, Will and Grace. That's right. Just Jack. Just Jack. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm Jack. <laughs> I get Jacko sometimes. Um and but that's uh yeah I having a name like Jack means that it doesn't allow as much nicknames in in high school I was a uh, rat for Hanratty which I'm glad didn't stick yeah it might it might catch back on now yeah, I shouldn't have said a word <laughs> all right what's the um what's the team that you get geared up for most to beat I think um. From a from a Canadian point of view, it's got to be USA. I think you you're you, it's just your closest rival. It's your neighbors. It's it's things that it's just have so much history in 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 every sport. So I think that that's massive. Uh, but also, I I've played England so many times over the last while and and um, have been close but no cigar. Uh, so, um, being an Irishman, it's always nice to play against England as well. Uh, but I think USA in terms of the, the fierce rivalry. But I think um, just because we've been so close and not getting it, it, it would be it would be playing against England. Fair. Any rugby superstitions as a coach? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I go. A lot. And, <laughs> I, I have a couple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I always need to have um I always write the uh, on my book I always write the two teams at the very start and I even if there's a scoreboard right there I have to mark down every score because it was the first thing I did as a coach when I was coaching under 11s I think um so it's just I write the score and it looks like absolute children's scribble um, so you can and read I always it. I always flick the, a blade of grass from the playing surface just before kickoff, as late as I can. I just take grass and and flick it up in the air. Just you're just checking the wind, right? You're checking the wind direction. It's really not. I think it's just <laughs> something I did as a kid, and I just I always do it. And, and sometimes I always look, I sometimes I look around to make sure kind of no one's seeing me. <laughs> uh, but I I kind of I've I've a bit of a strange routine there. Um, about flicking the grass. So that's my superstition. Okay. What is, uh, I guess, sorry, who would be three people you would take golfing? Could be alive, could be dead, could be rugby players, it could be anybody you want. Who would you take on a weekend golfing trip? Um, we did, we, I was on a weekend golfing trip last weekend and we played the exact same game. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a little bit prepared with it. I would, I, I've got a, a huge interest in politics. 
so I'd love to um, JFK or Barack mm. Obama, nice. uh, or or maybe both, just to see the the differences there. Um, Brian O'Driscoll is. I was is, worried you're going to say Trump. No, certainly <laughs> not. Uh, uh, Brian O'Driscoll has been my my favorite um, rugby player of all time. Uh, so uh, I would I would take him on, and I know he's a good golfer. I, I was part of a CAD group that caddied for uh, Brian O'Driscoll uh, years ago, just as he burst onto the scene. There was four Irish rugby players, and I was one of the caddies for him. So I know he was. I know he was a good rugby player, uh, or sorry, he was a good golfer. And uh, last one. Uh, I think that I think all the guys you've mentioned so far were pretty good. Like Kennedy was a good golfer. I think Obama is, and I'm pretty sure Driscoll is from what you just said. So you've got to take somebody maybe that's not so good, so you don't lose. Well, I'm definitely losing. Um, <laughs> so, like honestly, I probably will. Maybe uh, Jacinda uh, from uh, from New Zealand, the New Zealand Prime Minister. Ern, okay. I think I think she's pretty impressive too. I've kind right. of gone very political there, haven't I? Yeah, a little uh, bit. But but, but so I I think the conversation there would be pretty good, and and maybe I'd be the second most knowledgeable about rugby there, which is good. <laughs> you, could, you could hold your own with everybody out there. I think that's right. All right, what's uh what's a go to travel destination? <laughs> Wherever the next tour is. <laughs> that's true. Um, although I, I since COVID, I've been able to go on a nice golfing trip to, to Cape Breton and went up the, the Cabot Trail and it was absolutely incredible. Um, so I think just why people fly to the East Coast, it's really easy to understand why when you drive up there. Um, my brother lives in the Middle East, so we go uh, there quite, a, a try to go there as much as possible. We've both moved away as almost as far as we could from our parents who are pretty <laughs> upset about it. Um, and uh, but I love Italy, France, Spain. Just just those type of countries are just the food and the and the atmosphere and and the fact there's there's always fun in terms of of, of rugby as well is always great. Perfect. What's your favorite app? Sophie said a fitness app. She did. She did this, and I that's that's not me. I make a lot of posters for Rugby Nova Scotia, so I use Canva. Okay. Um, which is which is a, a pretty good app, um, but I probably uh, I I listen to quite a bit of music and podcasts, so I, I'd say podcasts and, and Apple Music would be would be right up there. Sounds good. What's your go to food? Uh, I love a charcuterie board. Really? That makes me sound a bit much, does it? Uh, it's fancy. Uh, I didn't pay you for charcuterie board kind of guy, but that's all right. Like I'm. You know, pizza, hey. obviously, but, <laughs> but a charcuterie board is something I'd love, yeah. Ritz it up a little, that's right, all right. Yeah. Uh, chips or cookies? Maybe you don't eat chips or cookies if chips. you're a charcuterie board guy. What, what kind of chips? What, what kind? Uh, the Irish cheese and onion, I love. Oh, that sounds yeah. good. All right, French fries or onion rings? Onion rings. All right, favorite beer? Uh, any of the local stuff is is really good. Our sponsor beer, uh, Moosehead, <laughs> nice. uh, with Rugby Nova Scotia. <laughs> and on a Sunday, on a cold day, by a fire, I love a pint of Guinness. Yeah, me too. 
What is a guilty pleasure? Uh, oh God. Uh, I, I, when I'm totally rubbed out of it, I'll put on terrible movies and watch them and to go to sleep. So like, like for some reason, Adam Sandler stars in both. <laughs> but probably, yeah, like just bad, bad, light, light-hearted movies that I've watched before, uh, or The Office. Just <laughs> a great way to switch off. Yeah. What's the best place for a post-match beer? Um, my hometown of Scaries, um, just upstairs on a on a sunny day. You'll go out and have a beer on the on the patio, and you can look out to the to the sea, or you can look out to the pitch. Or if it's a freezing cold, rainy day, which it mostly is in Ireland, you can sit by the fire and have a beer. And you've got the same Malakadoos in the corner, and you've got the players that come up in their their shirt and tie. And I just I just love to. It'll end up playing darts by the end of it. I think it's great. Nice. What uh, what TV series are you binge watching, or do you have the, time? Uh, all or, the All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur just came out. Um, it's on Amazon, and it. I instantly now like Jose Mourinho. I didn't know whether I would, uh, but he he's he's fantastic, and okay. those I love those um, documentary in house uh, shows uh, about sports teams. Like yeah. love it. And the Tottenham one it has been really enjoyable to watch. Oh, and the, the Cricket Australia one, even if you don't know anything about cricket, brilliant. They're all on Amazon Prime? They are. I have to take a look for those. All right. What's your favorite movie? I, I, I think it's not anything with Adam Sandler, but what would be your favorite movie? Uh, I love In Bruges, the movie. I think it's a... It's, it's a Brennan Gleeson, Colin Farrell. It's like a, a dark, dark comedy, okay. uh, which which is really arty. So I, I love that. Um, love Shawshank Redemption too. Would yeah. go back and watch that regularly. All right. So who would play you in the Netflix movie of your life or the Amazon Prime movie of your life? Well, I know Danny DeVito would play my father. As they look <laughs> like. Um, He's going to love that. <laughs> it'll, maybe it'll make, I'll see now if he listens to any of these things That's right. um, who would play me I don't know any mediocre fella <laughs> uh, go Colin Farrell yeah he's a bit bad boy but we'll probably have to just stick with him won't we <laughs> alright who, uh, who would be the leading lady your choice can be anybody you want and um, Mila Kunis. Okay. All right. And what would the movie be called? The Rugby Rat, maybe something like that? Or? Jack of all trades, master of none. All right. That's good. That's a good one. All right. Thanks for that. All right. We've got a few questions left here. Walk us through your thoughts on value of team culture. So a, f a few months back, I, I had the privilege of watching Jack uh, present at my school. And uh, true to Jack's nature, um, the first time he was supposed to come down, there was a storm. He couldn't make it. And we rescheduled for a week or two later. And uh, he, he put on a great performance, um, you know, where there's some tech difficulties. And he just, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I, I can do this without. And then I found out a few days later that his car actually broke down on the way and he had to get a rental car. 
uh, and drove a couple hours with the rental car. And then he drove all the way back four hours back to Nova Scotia that night and probably getting in around 1 a.m. and then up at 6 a.m. to go run some training sessions. But you wouldn't have known that it was anything out of his way because he just, he was just all life while he was there talking with me and a bunch of our students and faculty. And a lot of what you spoke about was team culture. Talk to us, I guess, about team culture. Like where do the values get created? You talked a lot about coaches and leadership core. Does that break down differently at different age levels? Um, You know, player input, the age that they are, things like that. First, the uh, that was the strangest few days coming down <laughs> to your school. I, it would it had been put off, I think, once or twice, and once was definitely my fault. So I remember thinking, I have to get there. <laughs> um, and I remember arriving at your school, and I done I done forty PowerPoint slides, which is way too many, but I I had done it. And then it didn't work, and I just I got changed in the bathroom downstairs because I was just off the pitch, and I wanted to I don't know wear jeans or something. And then the tech didn't work, and I remember just saying to the guy with me that we can we can talk about this, and it can be okay. And I remember it being actually maybe just for me, but a very enjoyable conversation because it is it is something that you get to talk about a lot. I think a lot of some people say that culture is a bad word at the moment. I totally disagree. I think it's a great word and I think it uh, it can be valued. I think it can be measured. Um, I don't think it can be created and driven from a staff. I think it needs to be completely fundamentally driven as an, an entire organization. And I say organization because I think it has to be the staff, the players, um, the like uh, coaches, medical staff, uh, mental performance, doctors, whoever's involved think has to be part of the group uh, and then you have to be able to um, show it so you, you can write words on a board you can put them on a poster but if, if they're not measurable and if you don't highlight what good and bad parts of that and I'm saying as a group not as a coach what good and bad parts of your culture are then I, I don't think it, it, it it's worthwhile so how can you discuss it every day how can you make it worthwhile and I think those are the, the, the big things for me. And, uh, and when you go back, if people are better off as athletes and as people or as staff members and as people, then it's, a, it's an important thing. You want your culture to be something that people look at and they might hate it because it might create really good tight bonds. It might create excellent camaraderie. But um, you've got to be in tight as a group and we've got to have a what we usually say is the why and then the the pursuit, the purpose and the process. So how are you gonna get there? And a lot of that information comes, it's not it's not my it's not me, it's Wade Gilbert, who's a really good person to go and, and read up on and listen to and, and, and that would probably be be my parts of it and, and being able to text or or call somebody that was involved in that environment, um it, I think it is an important piece. So, yeah, you get everybody involved. Everybody hopefully buys in and has that one thing that they're striving for and working together by doing the same things. Is there stuff as a coach that you try and instill or insist that gets added into that? Like, is there, do you have sometimes like with certain age groups that you, you push for something because you know it's better for the game if they do X instead of Y or stuff like that? 
yeah, I don't know whether it's better for the game or, or better for the environment. There's one thing that I really like, which is I like music. So I like there being uh, loud music at the start. With it depends on the team, but with our with our U20s, we do it. Uh, and as soon as the the um, music goes off, it's rugby time. So as soon as that music has been turned down and turned off, and our strength and conditioning coach Jeremy Steinbeck is the best playlist creator ever. So he always gets a day of a game, day of training when we need pep up, when we need calm down. He always nails it. So that's always a really incredible thing. Um, so I like I like that to be music, and also I like a little sign-in gesture. So don't know, don't care what it is, they come up with it. But as soon as you arrive, you're saying, "Hey, whatever happened earlier, whatever happened this morning, this afternoon, or whatever's going home, going on in my personal life, I'm putting to the side right now, and we're in this together." And that goes for for everybody. I like that one. That's a hard one, especially uh, at any stage and age. But for younger people to learn how to do that, so that's that's a really cool one. What do you do as a coach? Or what can you do of a coach if, you know, one or two players aren't buying into the, the established culture? They, you know, something that's been devised, something that, you know, we've all talked about, but one or two players are constantly just going against that. Uh, I, honestly, I, I think if, if you've created something quite strong, like I think I've made mistakes in the past where I've tried to do the things that I feel need to be done when you've got for the U20 can you imagine that I was the U20 head coach it was my first uh, Canadian national team head coaching job and my assistant coach is Kelly Russell who has been to World Cups captain World Cups has an Olympic bronze medal around her neck like if I tried to be a major uh, the, the only voice there I'm completely underutilizing my staff uh, the captain was Sophie Goody. Sophie is going to be, what, in my view, one of the greatest players of all time. She's going to go down in history as one of the greatest players in the game, either gender. Just, she's an incredible athlete. And she was the captain of that team. So, what's the point of somebody like me coming in with a, uh, a hard fist or whatever it's called, like, come in and, and try and be aggressive or try and stop things? For me, you're, you're underutilizing it. And realistically, um, having a leadership group and having leaders like someone like uh, Sophie's, Sophie's leadership is something that um, the, the players will respond to a little bit better because yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a teammate. It's, it's a colleague. And I think that that's, that's the thing that goes out. I mean, I'd, I'll be honest, in the past, and I had a question on a, on a different podcast recently about um, how do you, a similar question, how do you, roll it out someone that hasn't bought in and, and for me it's always I, I think I don't have to if the environment is as strong as you say it is the, the teammates will in my view and if the environment's not strong enough then more work needs to be done absolutely and that and that's noticeable from our staffing point of view for sure yeah so you're also I remember you talking too about learning from your mistakes and learning from hard lessons um, what are some that you've learned from? I remember you told a great story about, uh, I can't remember the gist of it, but it was basically uh, you you asked for a sub and they put the wrong sub in or something like that at one of the games. And you learned about communication. What are some things that you've learned that has made you a better coach, a better you know administrator at Rugby Nova Scotia, things like that? Um, I, I, I suffer a lot with my reading and writing capacity. 
Um, and it's something that I've always been ashamed of and, and I found it really hard to, like I, I told you, it looks like uh, scribble when I write things down. And, and I, I think it was, it's been a big learning for me is, is trying to find the way of processing information so that I can um, learn from it or remember it. And a lot of that would be imagery. So my mistakes of doing what everybody else does and, and writing things down in books, it's just not how I learn. Um, and, I, and that was the same in school. Just, just my reading and writing uh, capabilities are, are, I really struggle. And uh, first of all, it shouldn't be something that I've been embarrassed about for so many years. And secondly, um, I just got to find the way that I learn. So, so I try and do as much things coaching through imagery. So I try and use stories. Some are terrible, Jamie. Like I'll try and tell a story to describe a skill and it's completely irrelevant and you lose the players. But I learn through that and, I, and I'll be able to be that. And I think being honest with the players, don't, don't think that you're going to, don't tell them that you've got every answer. If you don't know something, don't bluff it. Like, or if you're about to do a drill and you don't know if it's going to work, say to the player, say, this is new. I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll change it. But will you try and buy into it for me? players feel pretty happy about that. If you go in saying, this is going to work, this is the best, and the players are having difficulty with challenge and success, then then you're in a struggle. Um, so I think being being just open, transparent, and being, being, being open with the players about things that work, things that didn't work, or things that are new. And, and, and I think once you do that, I think the players will buy in as well. That's great. Um, yeah, big, big onus on your players to step up and work together, um, and learning from those, uh, learning from themselves. I've, I've often said that I don't believe in mistakes because if you learn from, it, it's not a mistake, it's a lesson. So when I heard you talk about that, it just kind of hammered that point home a lot. Yeah. And I, I think one of the biggest things I learned, I was a very young coach. I was like, um, I'm, a, I'm 31 now. Uh, and I was, I was in the job in Nova Scotia at, at I guess 23, 22 was my first year. Like I was extremely young. Gino and the board of Rugby Nova Scotia took a uh, risk on me because I was very young. Uh, and for the, a couple of those years, I tried to make sure that I was trying to be the smartest person in the room. And Jamie, I'll be fully honest, I've never been the smartest person in the room. So I don't know why I would try and bluff it. And I think that was a lesson uh, that I, I, certainly taken on is is don't like you're going to be good at something everyone in the room everyone in the staff is going to be the leader or or a top rating if we were one of those old baseball cards we'd have a top <laughs> rating at something so allow that to be to be to be something but also continue to develop the other numbers as much as possible that's good if you could choose any three coaching tools to use what do you believe are the most important uh, video, uh, because you don't have to say anything. <laughs> the players watch it. The players not play do the talking. Exactly. Why would you have a debate on the field or in a classroom when you can just show it and ask what's going on here? Uh, I think video is, and it, we're starting to get into it now. Having your your phone and your iPad at training is just crucial. Um, that's one tool, and then I think um. Having another tool is maybe not a tool, but um, having someone come and just watch you coach okay. um, is, is a huge thing for me. I've had 
different mentors who would arrive at different sessions or, or different environments and, and just watch it and then ask me questions or give me feedback uh, afterwards. And that allowed me to, to better myself. Uh, coaches that have come in that knew nothing about the culture or our session aims or anything, but would then be able to ask me questions and be able to give me feedback. And sometimes you get kind of a little bit blocked off and you get a little bit defensive. But, you know, for me, when I, whenever I get defensive, the next 24 hours, I'll have made a change, 100%. I might be originally defensive, but I, and I'll, I'll always be open about that and, <laughs> and give it back. And then uh, session reviews, they're absolutely, as a staff, they're absolutely crucial. So creating that environment where it's safe uh, to be able to say that I didn't do this right or, or challenge somebody. But session reviews is something that I, I get so much out of. I might get red-faced, and again, the heart might beat because you're disappointed with something, but it's, it's massive. That's awesome. Where do you envision yourself in the next 10 years? <laughs> uh, I'd love to say that I've won a World Cup. <laughs> um, and 2021 with Canada is, is a real opportunity. Um, for for our country, uh, for the amount of athletes that we have, we've so many that are, are now moving to England um, and France to play because we we missed out on a, an important season here before the World Cup. Um, I I I could see myself in ten years not being a rugby coach anymore, uh, moving into into something differently because I don't I don't want to burn it. Um, I think I was very close to it a couple of times. I took a lot on, uh, but uh, I'd say 10 years time, I would love a family um, and I'd love to put them first, which I think I've struggled with in the past. Uh, I've prioritized different things. And, I, and again, it was a lesson and I've learned the hard way. Um, I'd like to have a, uh, but I'd like to have a, a family and put them first and, and, and prioritize them and still love the game of rugby. Um, that would be it. And I know that's quite simple, uh, but those are, those are, I think, things that, that have to be important to me as I, as I move on. I don't think that's simple at all. I think that's, uh, I think that's a brilliant answer, Jack. Last thing. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing. Any good rugby stories you can share with us? Yeah, I was, I was in a university uh, one of my f first times uh, giving a coaching course and I was only 19 and I spoke about my reading and writing difficulty and I wrote that on the board I was doing a little um, lecture on defence and I wrote uh, but my uh, reading and writing capabilities I, I miss out on the letter F and the number 7 and I wrote D-E-7-E-N-C-E and I rubbed it out and then I wrote it again, D-E-7-E-N-C-E. -E -E, and I look at it and I go, no, that's wrong again. I rub it out again. And I'm nervous because I'm lecturing at a university. So they're all 20, 21 older than me. And I'm 19 and I'm wearing a Leinster tracksuit and I shouldn't be there. So I rub it out for the third time and I write it up, D-E-7-E-N-C-E. -E -E. And uh, somebody, I turn around and go, no, that's it. I definitely have it now. And I turned around to start and someone put their hand up and said, why did you write D-E-7-E-N-C-E? And I just went, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do, what to say. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me up. And I described it, and it was the quickest I think I've ever been. I said, actually, that's a great question. What's your name? 
Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark, for the great question. Mark, in rugby, if we have a straight line, it's the best defense. So a straight connected line, it's the best defense. And if you have the best defense, you'll turn it over. And when you turn it over, that will create a diagonal line in which we want to be so that we can attack and all the passes can move backwards. So that's why I write defense, D-E-7-E-N-C-E. -E. The top is straight and the bottom is diagonal. And it's, it's gone in a book actually. Uh, since <laughs> so my dyslexia for the win yeah hey it works i mean you the quickness of uh how you thought like you know that you get the defense let's counter right onto our offense and away we go that was well it done was, and, and and i remember somebody hit mark in the class and goes will you just yeah why did you have to ask that question obviously he knew what he was doing <laughs> So oh, yeah, yeah that, that said, to, I said to myself, I'll be able to bluff through this even if I don't have the knowledge. That was good. I like that one. I like that one a lot. All right, Jack, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the beautiful weather and, uh, and, and, and gorgeous Halifax. I love Halifax. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll make it you want again some other time, maybe after you win the World Cup and uh, we can go from there. Absolutely. And Jamie, th thanks for everything that you do. Not only uh, this is a great, uh, medium and it's it's obviously grown you've had some incredible guests I, I'm, I'm very humbled to be to be one of them um but it's a it's a great way of of um showcasing the game and some fantastic people that we've had you've had some incredible guests not only here but but around but but uh everything you do at school and grassroots level it, uh, we're, you're just another one of those fantastic people that we have around the country and long may it continue really appreciate that jack i truly do cheers bud cheers all right. Beautiful stuff. Thanks very much for chat, uh, chatting with us, Jack. Really appreciate it. He's sitting out in uh, beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia, enjoying enjoying the lovely weather and uh, making sure that game's growing on the East Coast. And we truly appreciate it. Love to have you on again. Hopefully after you win a World Cup, uh, that will be just dynamite. Coming up next, we've got quite a few coming up uh, over the last, I'd say, three or four days. I've reached out to I don't know how many people. I'm getting people jumping on like, yes, let's do this. Um, but of course, I'm a teacher and trying to find times that match up for us to get our guests on uh, for an interview. It's uh, It's been tricky for some, um, but we are doing our best. I've got Connor Braid coming up soon. I've got Tyson Bukaboom coming up soon. I've got Ben Lesage. We also have Kyle Bailey. We have Gordon McCrory. We have Maria Gallo, Marissa Pace, Katie Sadler, and Jonathan Kaplan, who is uh, working for... Uh, Major League Rugby as a referee, chief of chief of officials, I believe. So that one will be interesting as well. And, sorry, <laughs> there's one more bullet item there. We also have Harry Jones, and Harry and I are trying to figure out a time when we can chat as well. So, as always, want to say thanks to my loyal listeners. Keep spreading the rugby word. Keep spreading that good word of rugby. Pass this around. Make sure people are hearing Jack's voice. Make sure they're hearing his message. Make sure they know where to go to hear other pods so that they can hear those stories of the rugby players and executive and coaching staff so that they know, you know, rugby is not just something you do in high school. You have a pathway now to kind of go probably play, you know, have a chance to play professionally or play club rugby in your province. Keep as many people involved in the game as possible by spreading these stories. As always, need to say some thanks. And one is the Ben Sound Music for supplying us with the tunes. 
biggest one is to all of your listeners. Also, like to thank my wife Emily who tolerates me doing this. Uh, she's a she's a she's she's my better half, hands down, um, and uh, I'm blessed to have her there. So. Uh, thank you, hun, for uh, allowing me to do this. I'm pretty sure you don't listen to the pods, but uh, in case you do, there's a nice little shout out for you. As always, you know who my guests are coming up. Feel free to request questions for them or future pods for future pods or different topics that you would like. Send them to me so that I know what to do or what or not what to do, but what, what, what I can do to help you. Um, but lastly, this is Jamie. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Most importantly, keep on rocking.